Hi, I'm Kathy Rue, host of the Liberal Sherpa podcast. You've seen me as your Liberal Sherpa on cable TV, on social media. You've heard me over the radio. I'm your guide to our ever-changing societal norms and the ups and downs of our political landscape. But I can tell you about cry closets and baby etiquette and where to find gender-neutral bathrooms. But this podcast is more. We take you behind the scenes, beyond those green rooms, beyond those studios. You ever want to know what your favorite Fox contributor or analyst, pundit, are thinking? You ever want to know what those journalists are writing or planning to write? You ever want to know what a politician is up to? We'll find out here where we casually invite them and you to grab a cup of coffee or tea or whatever and join us for the day's hottest topics. You never know who will show up next. Hi, this is Kathy Aru, your um, liberal Sherpa, liberal analyst from Fox News, your um, whatever you want to call me. So thank you for tuning into this podcast. It's like a special edition of the podcast because we're actually talking about the coronavirus. And I was able to get, um, this is this is amazing, the former HHS secretary, Health and Human Services secretary, um, Mike Levitt, who's a three-term governor from Utah, to talk to us today to explain what uh, the coronavirus actually is. Um, and he he just tells it like it is. I took a lot of questions from a, a lot of you, a lot of Fox viewers, a lot of um, people that I interact with on social media, and um, you submitted questions. So I just asked what all of us are kind of thinking, the average person. Um, I, I'm going to ask him about toilet paper, um, maybe zombies. I don't know. It depends on what you ask me. I'm just going to read it right off my list. So um, yeah, Michael Levitt, uh, you can look him up. You can Google him. He worked for uh, the Bush administration as the Health and Human, Health and Human Services Secretary. And uh, he oversaw the CDC, NIH, um, Surgeon General, anything that has to do with health in our country. So when I first met him, when I worked for the Washington Post many years ago, uh, I asked him if he slept at all at night. And I think he told me three to four hours. So this is someone who is very well aware of the dangers of, uh, of illnesses to our society. I'm so thankful. Um, I'm going to call him up. So stay tuned. He's going to answer so many questions. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Okay, I'm calling Governor Mike Levitt, former HHS secretary. Hello, are you there? I am, yes. Oh, Mike, you've been very busy today, Governor. I have been. I have been busy. 
this this uh, coronavirus has kept you busy. I am all I'm coronavirus all the time right now. So, <laughs> 24/7. Which um, since uh, thank you by the way for this interview because since I asked you this morning, um, the president just declared a state of emergency in the United States. Is that right? Uh, yes, as we are recording this, uh, he is declaring an emergency what, in the United States. What does that mean? It's actually just a legal process that in, that uh, begins, that pr- creates a series of options or, or authorities that don't exist without it. So the Congress said, uh, normally these are the limits of your power, but if there is a an emergency and you declare it an emergency then we're going to extend additional authority to you uh, that will allow you to do certain things that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to do. For example, with health care, it might be that the president desires to require people who are using Medicare or who provide Medicare or Medicaid uh, to provide certain services at a lower price than they would otherwise. That would be an example of an emergency power that he might uh, uh, possess after the declaration of an emergency. And so this is, when was the last time this happened? Is this, is this odd for this to happen? I, I suspect that, I don't know um, when the last time was, but for example, when Katrina hit or when 9-11 happened, uh, those are situations where there is sufficient grounds and the legal requirements met for the declaration of an emergency. Wow. Okay. So, so I, I forgot to, um, I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce you. So you're a former HHS secretary, which means health and human services, which, um, I interviewed you at the time for the Washington post, uh, which was not a coronavirus. It wasn't an emergency, but I had asked you if you knew everything about viruses and did it keep you up at night? And you had said, yes, there are so many things out there that we're not aware of. So this is one of those things, isn't it? A virus that we're just not aware of that will pop up and become a pandemic? Well, pandemics are a biologic fact. Uh, They happen. They happen periodically. What does that Uh, mean? We've had three, uh, three pandemics in the last 100 years. The word pandemic is a two part word. Pan, which is world uh endemic which is people so it's affecting people all over the world at the same time so it's a disease that spreads around the world and affects people all over the world Uh, aids is a pandemic Um, the coronavirus is uh, now been declared a pandemic and that means it's happening in virtually every country or will in every country and that it's affecting people in a a particularly negative way. But, um, but I've seen articles where, um, they say like some, a a woman says she got it and it was just like a cold. It wasn't that bad. So why, if, if it's not that bad, why, why is it a pandemic? Why isn't it just like a common, a common cold that's all over the world? Why, why? Fortunately, uh, I say fortunately because imagine how terrible it would be if everyone uh, was threatened with death um, by this virus. Fortunately, there are groups of people, namely those who are very young, for example, uh, 
who get sick, but they don't get threatened. They're, they're not threatened with, uh, with death by this. However, there are groups of people for whom this is a very serious threat, and that tends to be people who are over 70 years old, and, and particularly those who are over 70 and have some kind of underlying health condition. They could have a heart condition. They could have. They could have diabetes. They could. They could have a lung condition. Uh, so the combination of age and health status is a determinant on what people are affected negatively by the by this virus. And the virus is looking for weaknesses in uh, in, in a body uh, that that they can exploit. And uh, when you find a person who's older, they're defenses are lower and if you find an older person who has a particular condition then the virus recognizes that this is a, um, a weak spot and, and tries to exploit it so we the, the problem is that we weren't aware of it right we don't have a cure we don't have a vaccine is well, that viruses exist all kinds of viruses exist and viruses are uh, they mutate constantly. They're changing. They're trying to, and their goal, uh, just as a matter of nature, is that they're trying to essentially uh, crack the code of different uh, bodies as hosts. Some viruses work to be able to uh, uh, to find access to the genetics of a pig or a chicken and so when we talked about talk about the swine flu flu is a virus and there are flus that are successful in getting into pigs and then sometimes uh, pigs or, or, or chickens so w- when we had a flu that came through a pig we called it the swine flu when we had one that was had invaded uh, a chicken and had been successfully transmitted between chickens, then we called it the avian uh, influenza. Right. In this case, uh, we're not 100% sure what the, the where, where this virus came from, but we do know that it has worked its way through animals and from animals to people, and that now it has achieved a status that will allow it to trans- be transmitted from person to person. And when a virus gets to the point of being able to uh, go from person to person. That's when there's great danger of a pandemic. Um, but uh, so 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 people are confused. Um, as as you can imagine, I people are confused whether it's an exaggeration or if this is something to really panic about. I, I've been getting questions on. Um, I I let. Uh, Fox viewers know, people know on social media that I was going to interview you and it's gone from should we panic or is this an exaggeration? Is this um, is this a gift from North Korea? Did they invent this? I mean, there, it, it's almost like um, conspiracy theories versus should we really be nervous? What, what do you say as someone... From the government, you, you've been in, uh, you've been HHS secretary, you've been a governor of Utah, three-term governor. Uh, what do you say to people, the average person who's confused? I think they should take this very seriously. Uh, this is a, uh, this virus, like many other viruses that we confront in our life, uh, has the, the potential uh, to create harm. 
Now, there's a difference between taking something seriously and panicking. Panicking <laughs> doesn't serve a lot of purpose. This is a time to prepare, not a time to panic. I panic and, usually. I, I panic. That's well, what... maybe a, maybe a little panic uh, helps you, but uh, okay, uh, because it motivates you. But, yeah. Uh, when it gets to the point that we're we're simply debilitated by it, that's not a positive thing. And it cause sometimes it ca- panic will cause people not to prepare. They just don't know what to do, and they find themselves um, st- struggling to move forward. Well, it's overwhelming. I mean, as a small business owner, it's very overwhelming because everything's kind of shut down and no one knows what to do. So, how do we prepare well, and not panic? So let's say in, pre- in preparation, there's a, something for everyone to do. Uh, if a person is a small business owner uh, or self-employed, um, or if you're employed but you have a household, th- th- there's some basics. One is you could end up finding it important to stay isolated for a couple of weeks or th- maybe even four weeks or five weeks. If you have some food, that you have stored, that's very helpful for that. If you have medicine needs, you ought to have a supply of medicine. Uh, there are things that you can do when you go out of the home that that will protect you. For example, if you have high quality, if you have some high high quality um, uh, hand sanitizer, uh, particularly that which has uh, a high alcohol content, that can help protect you. You need soap because soap is a very important tool and protecting ourselves against viruses they spread typically when they are uh, when people uh, have them have them on their hands and they touch their face uh, so the way for us to avoid that is to wash our hands enough that uh, that they're that, that, that we shed the virus that might have been picked up on a surface or when someone else coughed or, or sneezed when you were um, when when you were HHS secretary um, during the Bush administration, did you worry about a pandemic? Is this something that is a big fear in for our government? Uh, anyone who understands that pandemics happen and when they do, they're very serious events. Uh, if you're in charge of public health, then you worry about this. And I learned uh, while I was secretary that there was the potential of a virus called the H5N1, which was the avian influenza that had the potential to become a pandemic. And I began to learn more about it. As I did, I could see that we weren't prepared. And so uh, I went to the president. The president agreed this is something we needed to take action on. And President Bush and the Congress then uh, authorized $7 billion to be used in increasing our preparedness. And so I spent three and a half years actually uh, working hard to improve the preparedness of the nation. I think that's when I met you, and it didn't happen, though, right? It it didn't it didn't happen. It didn't. Well, fortunately, the preparation happened, and even more fortunately, the virus did not achieve pandemic uh, proportion, and so we worked hard, and we made the nation safer, and we didn't have a pandemic influenza at that time. But that kept you up at night. I remember that's one of the questions I asked you when I was with the Washington Post. I said, "Do do you sleep at night knowing?" All these all these viruses are around us. I think you said you slept three or four hours during that time. Well, I hopefully got more sleep than that, but um, there's no question that it was something I spent a lot of time worrying about and things 
and, and finding ways to to uh, prepare. Can, if you don't mind, can I ask you um, like four questions that came in from um, from Fox viewers from Twitter for you specifically? Sure. Okay, this one I found was very interesting. This is um, Hockey Man. He asked, um, "Can a person get the coronavirus more than one time?" Um, because they think that during the Spanish flu, it had a, a first wave and then a second wave. So can there be a second wave of coronavirus after the first wave of coronavirus? Yeah, so let me describe the situation. So oftentimes we'll have vaccines um, to prevent or to uh, protect us. When we have a vaccine, it's basically introducing the virus into our system in a small tolerable amount and that creates uh, immunities or antibodies in our body that allow us to resist that virus um, so uh, one way that that happens is that if a person actually gets the virus generally speaking uh, we are immune from getting it in the future because our body will have achieved immunity when we talk about different waves, what we're talking about is different groups of people who can get it. So you can get it, uh, people who uh, um, may may actually have the virus transmitted to them. They go through the cell, the illness. They they develop some antibodies, and the next time uh, the virus begins to come uh, uh, come forward, it'll be more difficult for the virus to. Uh, be able to affect that person because they'll have achieved a level of uh, personal immunity. Okay, so like any virus, then. So this is this is like any like yep. a chickenpox, I guess, right? That's right. Okay. Very similar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, um, then they're asking, um, what kills a virus? You were explaining like uh, hand, like high alcohol. Someone said um, they asked. Uh, this is Patrick Bradley. Can Windex? Can Windex kill a virus? They're asking well, what I, they use. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I, okay. I know that there are, uh, they probably ought to check with the uh, product manufacturer. I don't know. I yeah, doubt it. people are asking, yeah, people are going to the grocery store. And um, Chrissy asked, um, to- the, the grocery stores have water, but they don't have toilet paper. So what what are people supposed to stock up on? You said medicine, foods. Uh, well, like if you're going to be at home for a month and the reason people are buying toilet paper is that they don't want to be without it. Right, yeah, you, it seems to be the number one thing. The, if you're not going to be at the store for that long, then you'd like to make sure you have enough of that. Uh, I would say that I'd rather I'd rather not be without food or toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> given given a, a, a choice and being forced to a choice, I think I'd rather have food because uh, you could always figure something else out. But... Um, that's not something we have to pursue any further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that seems to be a hot topic, believe it or not, on um, Reddit and a lot of the, the um, sites. That seems to be a hot topic. Okay, and this one's from a government worker. He wants he wants to ask, he said he's a federal employee, and um, the administration says, would they implement full-time telework for federal employees now that schools... Uh, L.A. has shut down schools. Uh, some school districts in Florida have shut down. Maryland schools, uh, school districts are shutting down, so parents have to stay at home. At, when does the federal government, when do people allow people to telework? Is that uh, something that's in place? Is that a plan? 
Or is well, that... I think there's an authorization for various departments to do that under the right circumstances, and I think there are some federal agencies who've already adopted uh, a work-at-home strategy. But if if you are uh, involved in certain tasks that are vital to the protection of the country, I'm guessing that that isn't an option that's available. But for the most part, I think people will be, and it'll be according to the timing of that department and their rules. Okay, and this is uh this is a final one, and then I'm going to ask you a final one. Uh, Michael Devore wants to know he he wants to know um if if uh if if Fox this is specifically Fox News is saying that this is a Chinese virus. I haven't heard them describe it as that, but where where did this start? It, it did start in China, didn't it? And then it found. Well, it's- we we don't know. It became evident to us when it was in China. We don't know how they got it or who it came from, uh, but certainly. It, it became very well, um, very well attached in, in name, if you will, uh, to China and Wuhan, the, pro- the province and uh, the city of, of Wuhan. But um, it, the history of pandemics will often be that they get a name or attributed to a, a, a place that really wasn't the first place or really wasn't the source of it. So I just don't know. Oh, so no, so it could be that no one really knows where it came from. That's right. Wow. Sometimes, sometimes people hear a story. For example, the swine flu, which was the pandemic of nineteen eighteen. Uh, somehow, it became acquainted with, or became attached to the word swine because of the pigs in a certain area were. Actually, they refer to it as the Spanish flu. Right. The Spanish flu really wasn't where it started. It wasn't in Spain or it wasn't in, it wasn't in Spanish-speaking areas. It was in Kansas uh, when you trace it back. But somehow it got acquainted, it got, got uh, attached to that name and people just carried it forward. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are comparing it to the Spanish flu. Um, and and they're con- a lot of it seems like people are confused. I mean, they've even uh, compared it to zombies because of all the zombie movies. They're saying that book sales are up now on um, zombie books. Uh, they, they seem to be um, going up on Amazon. People are reading about all sorts of pandemics. Uh, so um, I guess my question to you, I read your article that you wrote for Fox News and I quoted it when I was on Shannon Bream's show. You said, uh, your advice, because I think we all just want advice, your advice was to take care of your family and your community. Don't think of it as um, in, in, uh, as uh, you're trying to save the United States. Just think of it more as a local Locally, what you can handle. Is that the best advice right now to, to deal is. with this? Find, find a way to take care of your family and the people you love. And if everybody does that, uh, we'll do a lot more than the federal government can do. Because the federal government can only do a limited number of things. They can, they can, they're in need to get a, a vaccine. They're able to collect tax dollars and distribute them out to the states. And they're doing that. They can also begin to uh, gather information, so we make decisions based on good information. Those are the kinds of things that the government uh, is able to do well, and they're working on those things. But we need to make certain that we don't just count on the government to take care of us. Uh, we need to uh, find ways to prepare. So we're not, you're not saying be skeptical of the government, but you're just saying as as uh, just be as realistic. A- 
Okay. Be realistic on what a government can do and count on them to do the things that are realistic. But at this point, um, this is a serious situation and they ought, and people ought to not panic, but they ought to be preparing. And we've talked a little bit already about the ways they can prepare. Okay. So just, so we should think of this as, uh, as a daughter, a father, a mother, a brother. We should think of this as taking care of our own family, which is, I, I guess what you're going to, you're human. That's what you're going to do. You're going to take care of your family and, and let the government do what it will, but we have to do what we can. Is that, that's right. That's the takeaway. That's my advice. Okay. And then I'll go back to when we first met many years ago and I was afraid of the avian flu. Um, you said it's okay. Sleep, go to sleep, try to get a good eight hours. And, um, when, when something happens, then we'll, we'll face it when it comes. Just, uh, well, I think we all ought to be aware that the next couple of months may be hard in the United States. There could be people who are affected by this. I think our objective ought to be to make, to do all we can to make certain that we're affected in the least uh, possible ways and the people we care about and love are taken care of. Now, the, the, that doesn't mean that there won't be some hard things. It doesn't mean that there won't be some things that will go in ways that we wish it were other, otherwise, but um, we'll get through this. We always do. Governor, how, how long do you think this is? Someone asked, how long is this going to be? Is this two months, two weeks? It could be. No, I think it could be with us uh, in different ways for a couple of years. Uh, but I think the intense part of this will likely be in the next two to three months. What does a couple of years mean? Like It means that, well, we, we've been around uh, measles for hundreds of years. Oh. We've learned to ma- we've learned to manage it. Uh, that's a virus, uh, and uh, we have a vaccine. Uh, we have way we know how to manage it. Uh, the coronavirus. We've actually known about corona various coronaviruses for a long time. This is they refer to it as a unique um, coronavirus because this is a version of a coronavirus we haven't dealt with before. And it's causing the kind of difficulty that it is. But in time, we'll get a vaccine for it. We'll know how to manage it. And uh, we'll just add it to one of the things and, and the, uh, the doctors have to learn to, to, to cope with. Wow. And is it true that they're in the CDC, they have all these viruses uh, that, that if, in case something happens, we can always create a vaccine for it? It'll, they'll store it? And is that just from the movies? Am yes, I, that's true. It is true. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll store this strain, and if it ever well, comes up, we'll have the we'll have the code, the genetic code of this, and if we ever need to use it, we'll. But they migrate and change, and we'll just keep when it, when it becomes a problem, we'll create a, we'll update the vaccine to match the virus. Oh my gosh. Okay. So thank you so much. I know you you did so many interviews today, and you sound so awake. Thank you so much for your time. Well, well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> thank you. Um, and are you going to give updates anywhere? Where can people find you? Are you going to be, I, I know you're on NPR. Are you going to be on Fox anytime soon? Well, I, I'm there when they invite me, um, but not as much as you. <laughs> I, I'm on, fr- I'm on, I'm sorry, Monday morning, but I'm not sure if I'll be discussing this or, um, or um, what I'll be discussing, but no, no, you, you, you are still, you are just on NPR, right? So we'll be seeing a lot of you in the next few days. Well, I'm, I'm trying to help by 
uh, providing good information, and I'm glad you've given me a chance to do it on your podcast. Thank you. You've kept me very calm, but I'm not going to sleep tonight. But thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Good night. <laughs> goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> He's awesome. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Thank you for tuning in and asking all those questions. If you have more questions for future podcasts or for me in general, go to uh, Twitter. That's usually where you'll find me, especially now that we're all um, inside hanging out online at A-R-E-U-C-A-T-H-Y, Aru Kathy. And I'll be on Fox and Friends first on Monday, maybe talking about the coronavirus and everything I've learned. And um, you can find my magazine, Catalina Magazine, at Press Reader. Uh, you can find actually over 7,000 magazines, worldwide magazines and newspapers. So we'll see how the whole world is dealing with this um, pandemic and fun stuff. Vogue is on there. Fashion's on there. There's still much, so much stuff to look up. So yeah, thanks for tuning in to this special edition of uh, the Liberal Sherpa podcast with Mike Levitt. Bye.